the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, serving in an official capacity, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. For we all stumble and sin in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, never saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man, fully developed in character, without serious flaws, able to bridle his whole body and rein in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth to make them obey us, we guide their whole body as well. And look at the ship's. Even though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. In the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See by comparison how a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, and the tongue is, in a sense, a fire, the very world of injustice and unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which contaminates the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life, the cycle of man's existence, and itself set on fire by hell, Gehenna. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and sea creatures is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless evil, undisciplined, unstable, and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Father, Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brothers, should not be this way. For we have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and profound respect for his precepts. Does a spring send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives or grapevines produce figs? 
nor can salt water produce fresh. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Again, I would like you to remember what James is about in this book. He is about teaching us to discipline our souls in truth. So we're going to look at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers serving in official teaching capacity, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. You remember when chapter 2 ended, James wrote in chapter 2, verse 26, For just as the human body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works of obedience is also dead. And then he begins about the tongue. Now he addresses those are about teachers. He addresses those who count themselves as teachers in their culture. You know, a teacher was highly esteemed. You could hardly carry a better title than rabbi. People would respect you. They would give deference to you in the marketplace. So it was a lot of people coveted the title of teacher. And it's not unusual that in that culture that people would seek that position, even though they were not called by God, nor were they qualified to teach. And James is discouraging them from seeking to be a teacher without being called of God, as many were doing. Now, this makes perfect sense because you remember that this letter is to the Jews of the dispersion. What that means is it's to the Jews who were enduring persecution and had been dispersed or scattered throughout the Roman Empire. So those who have been a part of an organized Christian church, an organized fellowship of sorts, suddenly were disbanded, dispersed as they went their separate ways. And they probably gathered together in different groups here and there. And they would look around at each other and they say, hey, uh, Joseph, uh, as I recall, you're, you're quite eloquent. Why don't you do the teaching? Well, that's a problem. Because Joseph wasn't called to teach. He might speak eloquently, but that is not a calling. What should be happening is they would gather together and pray for someone that God would send somebody or call somebody to teach them. They would pray and what they knew of the word of God, they would rehearse before each other. But not in the capacity of rabbi or teacher. So what was happening is a lot of these guys had taken on the title of rabbi and began to pontificate about the scriptures and what God meant about this and what God meant about that. But there was a lot of distortion going on, a lot of false teaching. So James is discouraging them from doing that. So again, without the calling, that would be a work without faith. Teaching would be a work without faith. And they would prove themselves to be filled with error and dead in their teaching. First Timothy, Paul writes in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, he says, Some individuals have wandered away from these things into empty arguments and useless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law of Moses, even though they do not understand the terms they use or the subjects about which they make such confident declarations. So this, this is something that Paul knew quite a bit about because he spent a great deal of time in his, in his ministry working against false teachers. A teacher or a preacher is a spiritual calling. 
Why? Because you are a messenger for God. A messenger called by God. Given a message, sent out to declare it. That is the exact interpretation of what a preacher teacher is. Called of God. He doesn't say, is there anybody out there who would like to just say a word for me? Anybody like to speak out for me? That's not the way he does it. He looks at you at dead in the eye and he says, Todd, I want you to declare the word of God for me. And you go forward. And you know it's not your word you're declaring. It's not your agenda that you're promoting. It's not your idea to go. You recognize that it is God calling. And those people who go forward and begin to to take on the mantle of preacher-teacher without a calling are false preachers and false teachers, regardless of what they're saying. Okay? Because it is a spiritual calling. It's not about education. There are a lot of them out there that got a whole lot more education than I got. Forgotten more about the Bible than I'll ever remember. Those guys, if they have not been called of God, regardless of how many titles they carry, are false teachers. Because God is not calling men to give testimony of him. He is calling men to bring his message to men. Do you hear me? There's a difference. It's a calling. A teacher or a preacher is a spiritual calling. And if you seek to represent God on your own, you will invite his wrath. We see that throughout the Bible. Paul speaks at length concerning this because he spent much of his ministry battling false teachers. We as teachers and or preachers are held accountable by God. Now the Amplified translate the Greek word krema as condemnation, but it is more accurately translated judgment in reference to the judgment of works. And we know, of course, that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, right? Verse 2, for we all stumble and sin in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, never saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man, fully developed in character without serious flaws, able to bridle his whole body and rein in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. Now, James is humbly including himself in that. He uses the we, right? He says, we will not escape sin while we walk in this, these bodies. That's the truth of it. We're not going to escape sin while we walk in these bodies and on this earth. And James is addressing the act of sin or sinful behavior, which is a problem for us all. Now, remember, he is writing about people who assume to be teachers, and he confesses that every teacher may stumble, as we all do. He's saying being a teacher doesn't mean that you will never sin. I can give testimony to that. Being a teacher doesn't mean that you will never sin. He says, now, we all stumble. But there's a difference between going forward and stumbling and running headlong in the other direction, isn't there? Huge difference. He said, a teacher may stumble as we all do. Then he addresses a teacher's greatest area of vulnerability. Now you see the context is continuing. He addresses the teacher's greatest area of vulnerability. What do you think that is? The tongue. Why? Because he practices his art or craft by speaking, right? And this is a weak spot for us all to remember. 
In James 1.19, he says, Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear and be careful and thoughtful listeners. Slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words. Slow to anger, patient, reflective, and forgiving. Listen, this is not just about preachers. We understand that when we speak, we need to weigh our words before the Lord. That doesn't mean we have to pray every time. It means that before we we go forward, if we know we're going to have something to say, which I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir on this one, we weigh this before the Lord. We're not up here just to make an exhibition of ourselves. We're up here to bring whatever word God has for them. And if he's using a testimony, he's using our life as a reference. And we get up and give testimony about that. So if we go through life without saying the wrong thing, we have developed a perfect maturity, able to bridle or live with self-control. Now, while the perfection of our behavior has escaped us, as it had James, particularly in the area of speech, we have the character of Christ through the Spirit of God, who we're in union with, and we have self-control by the fruit of the Spirit. So the issue is that while James deals with the tongue as an evil entity in order to illustrate its power to destroy and corrupt, it is a tool that manifests the condition of the soul. Jesus said in speaking to the religious leaders, he says, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man From his inner good treasures brings out good things, and the evil man from his evil treasure brings out evil things. Now look, no lost man has the capacity to speak the truth of God. He does not have that capacity, but God can cause him to speak it just like he did Balaam's donkey, right? I know some of you are looking at me when I say that. But the reality is that God can move even the loss to speak, but he'll choose who he'll choose what, and he'll choose when God is still sovereign in what he says. You see now in this case, we understand that the tongue is just a tool and all it's doing is reflecting what's within the soul. If we understand that, then we know the issue is not so much keeping my mouth shut as it is what I'm storing in my soul. What am I allowing my soul to feed upon? Because out of the heart, the soul, the mouth speaks. And we'll go into that a little further later on. This goes back to the need to constantly bathe your soul in the truth. To pray without ceasing. To spend time in the word of God. To worship him, to praise him. It puts your thinking and your soul in the proper context. And if you're not doing that, then your soul is easily stolen away with the cares and concerns of this world. The truth of God becomes buried in the cares and appetites and concerns of the world. Now, if we put bits into a horse's mouth to make them obey, we got their whole body as well. And look at the ships, even though they are so very large and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. You know, my wife and I were watching a show had to do with English farming. 
It was unbelievable. You know, they got huge horses over there. They're gigantic. But because they have this bit in their mouth, they could just simply lead them wherever they wanted to lead them. And the horse would do whatever work they called him to do. Now, he says that the tongue leads us. The tongue, that very small rudder. And we often think that a quick word or muttered complaint is not worth worrying about. But our words reflect the narrative in our souls. James compares the tongue to a bridle and the rudder as having the power to direct and control. Now, there are some things that we should keep ever before our thinking on how we conduct ourselves. The tongue is a tool. If we allow the enemy to control the narrative in our souls through the mediums we watch or listen to, through his whispers that come to us as though they were our thoughts, then we give him control over the tongue as well. And he can direct and move us through that small rudder. He can destroy the people around us. Now listen, I'm going to bring this out at the very end of this, but the reality is that the same potential that the tongue has for evil, it has for good. We make a decision because of the way we allow our souls to be fed as to how that tongue is going to be used. And that tongue can be used in a biting way. It can be used in a negative way. It can be used in, in a manipulative way. It can be used in a thousand ways. But when it is repeating the praise of God, repeating the truth of God, when it is declaring the truth over the soul, it aids and abets the Spirit's work within you. That is why David is constantly in praise. That is why we are commanded throughout the Word of God to focus our minds on truth and to give praise unto the Lord. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Constantly rehearsing the truth over our soul. And you know what? Every time the enemy comes at us with a threat, with a lie, with an accusation, even if it's true, even if it's true that you said something you shouldn't have said, even if it's true that you did something you shouldn't have done, you do not adopt the enemy's speak and declare it your identity. You adopt the speak of the Spirit of God and you say, that is not who I am. I blew it and I repent of that because it doesn't suit me. I will speak the truth with the words of my mouth. I will speak the truth of the word of God. I will declare what is true of me. Now that's the choice you have. You can allow the tongue to be used by the enemy. You can allow it to manipulate your thinking. Because every time your soul is sour with self-absorption, and that's... Anytime you're not looking at Christ, guess what you are? Self-absorbed. Anytime you get self-absorbed, every time you get self-absorbed, you can start speaking things that affirm that absorption. Well, nobody likes me. Nobody listens to what I say. Well, I could have done that. Why don't I have that? Well, they don't deserve. Why does God allow them to live the way they live? Why, you know what? I am just so upset because this world has been turned upside down. I don't know where my future is. I don't know how anybody has any hope. Where did all that come from? Am I just talking to myself here? 
No, I'm declaring lies over my soul. And guess where that came from? Who's the father of lies? Do you think God would give me one of those things to say? Is there anything that I just said that you believe is anointed of God? No. Every one of them was locking me into a godless soul. Empty, barren, despairing, hopeless. And guess what? When you come across a Christian that can tell you more about what's wrong than what's right, guess what their condition is? I didn't say that who they are. I said, guess what their condition is? And if you walk away being critical of that Christian, guess what your condition is? No, at that point, you need to declare the truth. Declare the truth over them. Declare the truth over your own soul. Throw that poison in the enemy's face and don't take it in. We're talking about the tongue. And truly, it is a powerful weapon. But it is a reflection of the narrative you're entertaining. Right? So, the tongue is a tool. If we're allowing the enemy to control it, then it's going to affirm wickedness in our soul. This is not just about gossip or angry outbursts. This is about how you think and even the random conversation that, that you will have or even, even the random word that you will allow out of your mouth. You don't have any idea what somebody else is going through and you're just spitting out words. You don't know how the enemy's using your words to speak death to them. You don't know. See, there are things that we've gotten real lax about as Christians, right? We just run off at the mouth many times. We don't think, of, I, I'm, you're, I'm a testimony to that. You just run off at the mouth and you're not thinking about the words you're using. And though they may seem very benign to you and very simple to you and not anything worth worrying about, you don't know what you are affirming or confirming in somebody else's soul. You don't know what you're addressing indirectly in the way you speak, in your attitude, in the way you, your countenance. You don't know. There's a balance that only the Spirit of God can bring to your life. If you yield, if you yield. Verses 5 and 6. In the same way, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See by comparison how great a force is set on fire by a small spark. And the tongue, in a sense, a fire, the very world of injustice and unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which contaminates the entire body and sets on fire the course of our world, the cycle of man's existence. And it's, and it is itself set on fire by hell, Gehenna, which is hell. James continues to illustrate the power of the tongue by comparing it to a small spark that starts a great fire. The spark unleashes a fire or a work of the enemy that will consume many lives. You see, he's not talking in singular terms. He's talking about a great amount of people. And we've all seen the power of a lie or a deception and how it can spawn a corruption that encompasses the masses. It all starts with a single deception or lie. Remember the garden? That's an example. This is not referencing a random dropped word that the enemy used, 
But think about it. It is the enemy using a well-placed word for the purpose of destroying its target. It's a cancer that destroys its host and spreads to others. It is a work of evil. That is the power of the tongue as it is wielded by the enemy. Verses 7 and 8. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and sea creatures, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless, evil, undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison. Now, James makes the point that man can tame all manner of animals and beasts, but he can't tame the tongue. The thing is, you can have your tongue removed, right? But it won't touch your soul. The poison's still there. Again, the issue is not how it is articulated. The issue is that you are giving place to it. And it's the work of the enemy. The enemy will sow wickedness in your soul. Verses 9 and 10. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brothers, should not be this way. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.